And just hearing him say that, and it just kind of makes me think, if you became suddenly massively successful, do you think you'd go off the rails? <laughs> oh, I think about that a lot, dude. Um, well, well, actually, you know what? Before we do that, yeah. this is episode 21 <laughs> of Pals with Bill Wadman. Who are you? And uh, Simon Files here, uh, my down-the-block neighbor, uh, 365 subject, and uh, fancy actor extraordinaire. Hmm. I'll take that fancy. So, so, so wait, do, do you think you think you'd go off the rails? So I, you know, every time there's like a four hundred million dollar jackpot, and I go in with like some old college buddies, and I yeah. dream. You sit there like when you were a kid, circling the Sears catalog. Like I do the adult version of that. I honestly don't think I would go off the rails. Like I have some very concrete things I'd want to do with money. I'd want to buy a nice house. Yeah. Want to buy my mom a car. Like make sure that my immediate family was set yeah. up. Want buy her a house, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like I want to travel more and I'd love to produce my own work. I, I don't, I don't you do have what you do. Just have the freedom to do exactly. it. Exactly. So yeah. I don't really, I mean, look, would I, would I be unhappy to surprise myself and find out that I'd, I'd develop a really expensive Coke habit? Yeah. I mean, I hope not. I yeah. got a kid that I love and like, I'm not an addictive personality, but no, I don't think I would. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the, the gilded version of my, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the aspirational version of me. Uh, do you always want to be an actor? I did actually. It's weird. Someone just asked me that yesterday. I like, you know, you're a kid. You want to be like an astronaut, bus driver, ballerina. I never sure. had that. I was like 12 years old. I don't even know what I wanted to do then, but I went out for the school play. It was a yeshiva play, like an Orthodox school. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't even get the part I wanted. I lost you're playing out. Moses. No, they did. They did fucking 1984, which what? is a little dark for a yeshiva. If you think about it. Um, yeah. Like George Orwell. And it was like middle school and high school kids. Like, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And I wanted O'Brien. That was the role I went sure. for. My best friend beat me out for it. I had to play his guard. So I got my first taste of like defeat. I had like two lines and I basically just humped around after him the entire time, but I was still totally hooked. That was all I ever wanted. Like I could never think of doing anything really? else again. Yeah. Is it, is it the, <clears throat> is it the being on stage aspect of it? Is it the being in front of people or is it just, if you were in your own apartment reading a play and acting it out for yourself in the mirror, would that give you enough of the taste? Totally. So that, that, the answer to that has changed drastically, dramatically, if I was being a jerk, over the years. <laughs> like, there's no question when I was a kid, yeah, it's like, it's about the applause, it's about the attention, it's about like the adrenaline of being on stage and performing. But if that still maintains you when you're an adult, like, there's probably something empty in you that you need to figure out a way to fill some other way. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's a, it, for me now at least, and there were stages in between, it's about the love of story, the power of story. Yeah. I know that some of the most spiritual experiences I ever had, the things that changed me the most fundamentally were sitting in the audience watching something and to be able to be a part of that experience for other people. Yeah. That's, that's why I want to do what I do. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're going to see uh dear Evan Hansen tonight, hmm. which, you know, we, we've become Broadway people. We're going to see movies, good, you know, going to see some musicals and plays and stuff like that. And there is something about being in a room where there are people performing on stage I mean, you know, I went to musical and I have a lot of music stuff in my brain. I used to go see a lot of music shows. Um, and I don't as much anymore, mostly because I can't stand the other people at the shows. <laughs> the audience members? Yeah. You know what I mean? And sitting around waiting is like, oh, the ticket says eight o'clock and they don't go on until 1030. And you're like waiting no. around, you know, you know, these like, oh, stupid like things, jazz shit. opening bands and you know what I mean? Like all this kind yeah. of stuff. I'm just too old for that stuff. I, I was too old for it when I was 20, but like, I'm really too old for it now. <clears throat> But there is something about being in front of people performing live in front of you that is a completely different experience than even watching you perform on TV, you know, or, or, 
or, or, Absolutely. you know, I don't know. I don't know what, it, you know, I saw Jeff Daniels in the To Kill a Mockingbird a couple months ago. And, you know, I've seen Jeff Daniels on hours of television and movies. You That's know? not the same. First of all. Completely different. He walks out. That man has charisma. He's he's one of those guys who has that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so what are you going to say, first of all? No, first of all, like Jeff Daniels can only be in one place at once, right? So yes. whoever you're watching on stage, like that human being is only there in that moment right now. And you're watching him on film, like you and a billion other people are watching yeah. at the same time. So there's a little bit of the diffusion of that. Yeah. And it's weird because obviously TV and film does a much more... <sighs> immersive in the technical sense like you you see a movie and like it's really happening we're yeah. in the theater you're you're never really unaware that you're in a theater yeah but there's something about the high wire act of like these people could fuck it up at any moment yeah yeah and yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. only here right yeah, now like yeah. there's an unmatchable magic to that the the minute i go see a play and whoever the star is if if there's like a named star that i know and they walk out on stage and you actually go no, that's actually them on there. Mm-hmm. It's such a strange feeling of like, no, that's actually that movie star on the stage right now as just a person, right. you know, 20, 30 feet from me. Which is why I think that like, there's that habit. If you've ever been to the theater with celebrities where when they come out, everyone applauds. Yeah, I hate that. I fucking hate it. I yeah. hate it. I, I, I also imagine hate they hate it, but I get it. Like you want to acknowledge them, but then acknowledge them in their art. Like they're there to tell a story. They're not there to be Jeff Daniels. Shut up and, like and watch, watch him do, him do his thing. thing. Yeah. It's the same thing, man. In music, when you know somebody starts playing a song and people clap because they're excited to hear, you know, it's like it's just you. listen to the damn song. Like I, do, <laughs> I don't need to hear you clap and woo because you know Elton John's about to play your song your or whatever. <laughs> like it's fine. It's not your song. It's his song. It's actually Bernie Taupin's song. But you get my point, right? I, I, oh yeah, that drives me nuts. But yeah, the people clap when the person comes out. It's such a weird it's, experience. And it is. I think it is very much about them. It's like, oh, I recognize who you are. Yeah. I, want, I want to like be in communion with you. No, the way you're in communion with that, that person is you do your job, which is to listen to them and absorb. Yeah. And yeah. their job is yeah. to do their art and like, let them do it and oh, be, yeah. be a part of that. Oh, people talking. They're like even, even just leaning over and going, hey, did you know that? It's like, shut up. So, there are other people in the room. It's so funny. That kind of talking, absolutely across the board, I hate. There's this cultural thing, right? And specifically, like, usually within, like, communities of color where there's, like, a lot of talk sure. back at the screen. And I remember growing up, obviously, as, like, a functionally white Jewish kid where, like... The, Wait, I you're white and Jewish? I couldn't tell. I, I know. It's, it's hard to see <laughs> through the microphone. Um, that, like, that bothered me a lot until, A, I got educated about, like, the cultural history of it. Sure. And then I was doing the show down in Virginia which deals very heavily with race. And my character in the play was married to a, a, a black woman. And we could each tell when, like, as she put it, our people were in the audience, like when Jewish jokes got more laughter or when jokes around black folks got more laughter, like who responded to what and who taught like and that that I think fully closed the lid on my like yeah. friction around yeah. hearing that kind of talk back because I, I see it as, as an interaction in that culture is like that's how we engage. Yeah, that yeah, can be annoying sometimes I get but like. I guess there's a line I haven't quite figured out where that line yeah. is, but like you know, it's 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 a really interesting, especially like the Jewish joke stuff, right? Like Mrs. Maisel, half the jokes are are about like Jewish culture and like Jewish families and all the rest of it, and you watch it and you go, it's surprising that a lot of people even How find the fuck this funny. This like play in the rest of America, yeah, yeah, like, you know, like I get it here in New York when there's like you know. A certain percentage, but the average percentage in the world is, you know, there's what, like 10, 20 million Jews in the world. It's crazy that this, that, that even plays across culture. I agree with you completely. And like all of my, all of my Jewish friends, we, they, when the, when the show was first getting popular, they had this exact, they're like, wow, is this, how yeah, does everybody yeah. like the show? At least I feel like 
there's a thing that like Jewish culture has become a little bit of New York culture and people look to New York as this. You could even claim that it's American comedy yeah. has sort of twisted in that way. I mean, that you know, case has been made. That's far going more back eloquently. to Sid Caesar and all that stuff. Totally. Right? I mean, that like the sort of classic Jewish yes. writer in the writing room in, in LA or whatever. hundred percent, which like, I, you know, I cringe at that kind of stuff. Cause like the Jews control. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But like, but there's, there's there a is truth, a big predominance a of truth. all of that. Yeah. 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 There's a line that my wife hates when I say is that, you know, stereotypes don't exist because bigots are so creative. Like there's always a yeah. little bit, sure. there's something there that started yeah. it. Um, yeah, I know Jews were in comedy a lot. Cause when, when you get, shit on for a long time, you know, you, you got to laugh or cry. Yeah, so like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, th- I think that there is something to that, that it's it's become the American version of comedy and there's a broader appeal than we think there is. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm curious about over, overseas though. Like how does it play in like I, I, I still don't understand how Hamilton India. is going to play overseas. Like what do they care about American history? Right? <laughs> but, and like know, rap culture, like all of that, the underplay of that is yeah. so, seems so specifically American. You know, because like, they were saying that uh, elementary, you've been on elementary, right? I got mugged. You've been in a lot of stuff. You got yeah. mugged in elementary. I got mugged in elementary. Uh, I remember walking the, there. It was like through a dark alley. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I got mugged? Actually, got on mugged the way, on the way there. Mugged. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 you know that that kind of show apparently they look at it and say, oh, this is going to sell everywhere because pe- everyone knows Sherlock, who Sherlock Holmes yeah. is, and that can read everywhere. You know, that's one of the reasons why it's successful. And you know, although I bet you Will Ferrell thought the same thing, and he was wrong. That yeah. awful. Will Ferrell's John C. Riley thing that they yeah. just did. Yeah, was that bad? I didn't need to see. Like, I'm not a huge fan of like that style of comedy, but I've all the things I read were not. Oh, that's too bad. Compliment. We saw John C. Riley on the train one time. John C. Riley's amazing, but he, you know, he he does do the like, yeah, broad. Which, like, God bless him, he can do both things. He's a serious actor, and he can also do like silly comedy. Yeah, and you know, paychecks are good. <laughs> so, wait, you go to school for for theater. I did. I did. I went to uh, Rutgers. It was a both a state school because I lived in New Jersey. That would be King's College originally, was it? What? Oh, it was. That's true. In like 16. Yes, mm-hmm. I think that's true. <laughs> there was still, I think, a plaque somewhere on campus. Um, yeah, I got I spent a year in in Israel in seminary, also sneaking out to do a play every night, which was its own story. And then I came back. I'd gotten into Rutgers, was going to be like a theater major. Yeah. Um, and then saw that they had a BFA program, but like wanted to have like a balanced and then went to see one of their productions. And I was like, nope, F that. I got to audition for that thing and do it all the way. They had a good, good, good system. One of the top four in the country at the time. Yeah. It was Bill Esper. It, do you feel like acting? And again, I, I had a lot of friends at school who were incredible musicians, especially jazzers, right? I went to a jazz school and I'm not a great jazz player. Like I was not there for performance, jazz performance. And people would come in and you'd look at them and you'd hear them play and you go, what are you doing here? You, if you, instead of spending $150,000 on this degree, you just went and played every night in clubs in LA and New York and Chicago or wherever you'd get the education, you know, play with other people who were heavies constantly. The Malcolm Gladwell school of, yeah, yeah, (laughs) in some ways. Yeah. Like what do you, you know, what are you getting is, is, do you think that theater is similar where if you, instead of going to school for four years, went and did constantly booked plays and were being directed by decent directors and trying different stuff and that that would have the same level of education ultimately? That's such a great question. I'll speak for me and then I can speak like generally like to what I think the system would be. It would not have worked for me. I think I was a, I was a young, smart ass kid who like in most areas of my life thought I fucking knew everything yeah. and was just... 
aware enough to be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I know that I love this thing Yeah, to know that I needed guidance. There are definitely some people I think who have more, more like raw natural talent or understanding that I had who maybe could do that. Yeah. And just learn on the go. Yeah. But I think most people can benefit from like the experience of the people who've come before them and have like figured out some of the problems and give them some tools yeah. right, rather than make them run through the trenches on it. Right. I don't know. I don't think I would have done well had I just tried to throw myself yeah, in. Interesting. Yeah. So how did, I, I know nothing about, I mean, I know very vague things about the world of acting. Um, you get out of school. There are people who go on one audition and maybe they're <laughs> really good looking or maybe they get the right intro or maybe they're like an extraordinary phenom and they poof, straight yep. into like stratosphere, right? These mm. people exist. I went to school. <clears throat> did you go to school? With I did. I did. Yeah. Aaron Stanford, if you're listening, congratulations, sir. Yeah, yeah no, he was, and there's, if there's one in your class, like you always know who it is. And like, if anyone in our they class- They have that thing to begin with. Yeah, you just, you They see walked it. in with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like right out of the gate, you know, the school puts together a showcase. Sure. So that agents and stuff can see you. And he got a manager, but literally like the first thing he booked was this movie, Tadpole. Okay. It was with B.B. Newworth and, and uh, Sigourney Weaver. B.B. Newworth, she's my buddy. She, oh, she's great. Sweetheart. Yeah. Good. That's good to hear. I took pictures of her and she, uh, she, it was great. I, I, I go to her apartment and like, I knock on the door and like, you know, she's little and she was <laughs> like, like shrunk down and she opens the door just a little bit. And she goes, she goes, Bill Wadman. And I go, BB newer. She goes, come on in. And she like opens the door. She was so adorable. I love that woman. I always love hearing when <clears throat> successful people are also good people. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's a whole other topic of discussion yes. we can get into later. Yeah. But so if that doesn't happen to you, if you don't go from zero to 60, how, how do you build a career? Like, where do you start? <sighs> Did you want to do theater? Did you want to do TV and movies? So that's the funny thing, right? I, I had no idea of what TV and movies were like. That to me was like some promise. I'd never I would, seen a TV or a movie. <laughs> I just didn't know how you got on the other side <laughs> oh, of the okay, line. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that just seemed like Hollywood comes and finds you where you're at. Like I literally didn't think that was accessible. Um, so yeah, I slogged it out trying to get theater work. Um, and I got some bits and there were a few things. It's funny. It's slogging is an interesting word. I mean, is that the way theater is? I, you go on a lot of auditions, especially yeah. like this is back in the early aughts. Like there wasn't online stuff as much. Like you got the newspaper, you know, backstage, you, you've looked through, saw which calls or auditions. I didn't have an agent, right. That like I would go to, you work on your monologue, you go there, you wait, or you go to sign up for it. There's a lot of like, yeah, there's a lot of like in the trenches time of just yeah. getting before you actually get to do the work. Yeah. And then you audition and then you get a lot of no's until you actually book a play. Um, so yeah. That, Are that, you good in auditions? I am now. Okay. I wasn't then. You weren't then. No, th this is the, the for I, lack of preparation, for nerves, for. So again, I'll only speak for myself because I'm sure everybody has like a different reason why they think they're not good in auditions if, or weren't if they weren't. I moved into film and TV for some very specific reasons, but one of, I think the best outgrowth of that that I would never have seen coming was it made, made me a better actor. It gave me the tools because on stage, you never actually get to see yourself. There's no feedback loop. Yeah. Right. Yep. So you know how it feels. Yeah. And your directors, if they're skillful enough, will be able to guide you, although their job is not to make you a better actor. Right. They're not your right. acting teacher. They're there to get the, the show to yeah. work. So you don't actually know what's working and what's not. It's not until I started working on film and TV and like recording stuff and watching it and being like, oh, oh my God, I have all these habits and these things that I do that don't, don't serve me or the story that are about me. 
and starting to work on those. Yeah. Then when I brought it back to the stage, I realized how much more ease and skill I had there. Yeah. And I would never have had that otherwise. Do, do, would you? Sorry, I'm bouncing. No, around, go ahead. We'll get I like bouncing. The, the I've having conversations a lot lately about imposter syndrome. Mm. Did you? Do you have you? Have you? Do you jump between? I'm a really good actor, and people should hire me. And Oh my God, I don't know why anybody ever hires me. Several times a day. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, and I would say for, I, I've had imposter You think it's common? Most people that I know who have artistic jobs, that is the way it is. And I don't know if that's just the economics of all of our jobs, right? Because it is so, <laughs> I got a job. I don't have a job. Yeah. I'm like, I'm worthless. I'm yeah. amazing, you know. And I hate to say it, even now, that like I've, I've gotten a reasonable, like my resume is reasonably long at this point. I, you know, I had a six-month period last year where like I wasn't booking anything and I was like, Oh, I'm terrible. I'm not right. It's over. It's yeah, all over it's right. my career. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a, an interview actually that I saved with Matt Damon from like a decade ago where he said every time he ends a movie, he's afraid he will never work again. And I saved it. Cause I was like, if he has that now where he yeah. is, it's not like, Oh, if I just reach a certain level of success, that fear will go away. Yeah. It's internal. It's something I need to modulate and like work on it. For myself, yeah, it's not external. I'm not going to reach something. Yeah, it's not a ring, and so and you can and, pick and choose the evidence that supports either way. Of course, like everything else, yeah. right? So, like, and when I book a job, I I can't help it whether I like it or not. My my like self esteem goes up. I'm like, oh, and and I walk into rooms. You call your agent. Then. You're like, give me some extra things. Let's do it. That I'm, is I'm feeling exactly good. Exactly what I did. I was like, let's ride this momentum. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, and it, but it's it's actually real. Like I feel more powerful, yeah. which translates into how I walk into the room, which yep. translates into my work. That you actually end up being a better actor because I think you think so. you're a better actor. I, I think that's absolutely true. But yeah, the imposter syndrome is totally real. We are like, there's a billion people out there doing it. Who the fuck am I? Why am I so good? Like yeah. eh, all of it. All right. So, so, so you're, you're going on uh, auditions. You get some plays. You're in your mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's so funny now you look back on your career. And I, there were like all these moments where I'm like, oh, that's going to, this is the thing that's going to launch me. And I, some of them are so laughable now. Yeah. Like I, I booked the lead in this play and I was like, oh, I'm the lead. This yeah. is, this is it. Like I'm in New York. I booked, it was like an off, off Broadway yep. play. Um, and it was a three. Six people in the audience. <laughs> no, we actually got good. Up oh, the, but it, no, it's fine. It, it was like a three hour treatise on the French revolution. Oh God. The people seeing it were not the people who were going to like take your career off. Correct. Correct. And it like, the, it was, it was, <laughs> it was just, it was, yeah, it did not launch my career. Um, and also frankly, I, you know, again, I, I was not as, as good as I could have been. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so in my, my mid twenties. You think about the timeline. Now, I haven't like gone over this in my head in a long time. I met my wife and got married in my late twenties. Sucker. Yeah. I'm no, no. <laughs> she's a good. No, she's not a good. She's a good salesman, but she didn't need to sell me. Um, and then I'm trying to remember. Oh, that's what happened. So I booked a play in Connecticut. Uh, it was a great play. How far up in Connecticut? Uh, I was in Stanford, so like 45 minutes oh, away. Okay, not, yeah, yeah, not too bad. And I also booked while I was right after I finished that play. My very first TV gig, I was the uh, the jury foreman on Law and Order. Y- yes, we have your honor. Yes. Guilty. Um, and I got the paycheck for that. And it was more than like the entire run of the How show. How much do you get paid for like a, like a little tiny bit part on a, on a thing like that? Sure. What is so the SAG rate? Scale these days, I think is like 996 and standard is plus 10 for your agent. So it's like 1062, something like that. Yeah, is per scale day. Per day. Yeah. Okay. Um, eight hours. Yeah. And I... 
there were two things. There was one like, oh my God, making a living, got to do that thing. Yep. And the other thing was, so I'm Sabbath observant. I was, I was raised Orthodox and there are certainly my- Still are? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the term Orthodox anymore. I certainly <clears throat> still like run in some Orthodox circles. And like, if you didn't know me, other than the fact that I don't wear a kippah, like most of my practice is fairly Orthodox yeah. aligned, but no, my Do you use elevators on Saturdays? Uh, no, not okay. really. Like if I'm with, you know, when we had a kid with a stroller, I would ask somebody to do it for me or, you know. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the way, <laughs> I'm not a religious person. Just like to say. That whole thing about elevators stopping at every floor or asking somebody else to do it, that seems uh-huh. to me like, yeah, the little, letter little of the law, but not exactly what he was going for. I don't think you want to spend half this podcast on like my feelings about the legal <laughs> bullshit on that, but I can I can give you a good rant about it. That is a whole thing though, right? It is. I'm not wrong to feel like that feels a little odd. No, no, you're not. I, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the very short answer that okay, I have yeah. for how I, for me, religion th- these days is mostly about consciousness and awareness. Right. Fair so enough. it's not about the technical aspect of the law. If for me on Sabbath, I want to have a general awareness that I am removing my agency from the world, that I don't want to be involved with technology, yeah. then even asking somebody else to do it is keeping that sense of like, there's a reason that I need to make this choice now, but I don't want to do it mindlessly and forget that this is Sabbath. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. that doesn't yeah. undo it. It's just fancy words for yes, it's still kind of bullshit. Yeah. But yes. It's a day of meditation in some ways. Yeah. 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 So, uh, okay. So anyway, you're, so you're, theater you're, was very hard for that, right? <laughs> you're guaranteed to be in the theater on, on Sabbath. Oh yeah, that's a real Which problem. Was like a huge issue so what for do me you do? growing up. What did I do? Um, you suck it up and do the show. I struggled a lot internally. I walked to the theater like I would walk miles when I did shows in New York. Um, I would explain to them I couldn't use microphones. I wouldn't put on makeup. That kind of stuff. But I fancied the TV and film would mostly allow me to avoid that. So um, I decided to start pursuing that more. That was like 2008, and then it just picked up. Yeah, and I I didn't really look back. I did. I did two plays sort of back-to-back right before our son was born because I was like, I'm never going to go to the theater again. Um, and then he's now eight, and I just did my first play in eight years, this play down in Virginia. Yeah. Um, I did a one-act in the middle there. But yeah, so that's, that's the arc. And forgive me if this sounds at all, if I'm using the wrong word to dismiss oh, it. A lot of people would consider <laughs> you like a sort of a character actor in the stuff that they've seen of you. That's the best compliment I could ever imagine. You know, I okay. apologize. Yeah, I would but, love but, to be thought of that way. Would you rather, or sorry, have, unless you mean that is like euphemism for you're ugly, so you can't be a leading man. Then, then it's offensive. No, I, it's more of it's more of like you're you're this guy who can come in and play the role in any number of shows and movies and things you've been on. That people go, oh, I've seen that guy before, right? Yeah, like I know that guy, the guy in and, that thing. Yeah, and and you and you and, and I, again, I don't miss it. I don't mean it dismissively at all. He's shaking his head, ladies and gentlemen. Not at all. But, but, but <laughs> if, if you had your druthers, would you rather be, you know, the guy who is the lead on a show for eight years? No. Or you'd rather bounce around and do I would say, stuff? yeah. Get better, get bigger bounce around roles as time exactly goes it. on, but still have the bounce around. That is exactly right. The only thing I would want for myself right now is bigger bouncings around, right? Yeah. Like as you, the bouncings around that I have now, or like, you know, a scene, I would like to have like a larger yeah. story to a three tell episode arc. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But look, the, I would, well, I don't know that I would knock getting a series regular role for eight years. The money there is fantastic and yeah. it's good for your career. Um, but if you look at the shows, those aren't the folks who are getting to tell the fun stories, right? Especially in like yeah. the police procedurals. They're the ones who are asking very like direct questions yeah. while everybody else gets to have fun. Sure. Um, so it's not to say I wouldn't take it, yeah. but yeah, no, I like bouncing around. My, my wife and I, uh, 
have I, over the years, I think I've watched on and off. We end up watching a lot of procedurals at night just as something to decompress, you know, watch a couple episodes of at the moment we're watching the final season of CSI, the Las Vegas. Oh the my original, God. You know? Yes. And it's whatever it was season 16 or whatever the hell it is. Right. <laughs> Jesus. And that George Eads guy is still on that show. He was been on every episode of that show. And we looked it up. It was 360 episodes, 340 episodes. Or so. Right. Yeah. Right. He's, you know, not a single episode. He was the number one listing on IMDb. And you think this guy's lived this and you can totally feel like the entire cast is sort of just phoning it in, in the last season. Mm. They don't really want to be, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're hamming it up a little too much and everything feels a little looser. Right. And it's just fascinating to watch. And you go, you know, you could imagine that being like a little golden handcuffs thing, right? Yeah. Look, it's like you're getting paid really well, but I got to play. Hey, I'm that guy. Right. But da, for like da, da, a million da. bucks a pop, I'll do it. I, you know, actors are people too. And it's like there's many varieties as there are of like attorneys or photographer. Like yeah. there's going to be. So like there are some actors who just want a job, man. Right. Like this yep. is the thing that they do. And like you gave me a great job and I'm going to stick it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah, some actors, I think. Probably yeah. in our nature, we get bored fast. So you need to start. Yeah, doing somebody else different. I knew, or a, a, her friend got a job as as like a, a, a reoccurring character on, or a, or a series regular on some other procedure, like the Miami one or one of these things, and ended up after two years like begging the producers to kill her off. Oh my god! I mean, she was getting paid, you know, you know, sixty thousand dollars an episode or something right. as like one of the like third string players. She was done. She's just like, I can't do it. I, I'm making a lot of money, but I just can't do it. Because well, here's the thing. People make that argument, but you're making so much money. I have a you know, <laughs> notice for you. Actors didn't get into this to make a lot of money. If we wanted yeah. to do that, we'd go do something else. So yeah, like yeah. money is not the driving force. Right. It's great when you get it, but that's not what motivates, I would think, most actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so uh, when you walk in on a set, I think I asked you this when we were taking your picture. You good with lines? Are you fast at, yeah, at that? Yeah, okay. I am. Do you remember them after the fact or is it like in, I can hold on to it for two or three days and then it's gone. It depends with TV. It tends to, it tends to go on faster than theater just because theater by its nature, you had to remember it over time for yeah. amount of time. Whereas TV, like you just need it for that day. Yeah. Um, there have been certain speeches that I remember like the better, the better a thing is written, the better it sticks, the more natural a dialogue is, the better it sticks. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. And so you go in and let's say you are playing with the people who are the stars of the show or whatever it is. Is there a, or do they general are they generally nice? Like my BB Newworth story. Like do they generally go, "Hey Simon, you know, nice to meet you." Or like I know we're doing this thing for the next 3 hours like, you know, yeah, let's yeah, make yeah. it good. Or are they or are they just like, "Don't talk to me unless we're in the scene." I've never had anyone do that. There are, I've definitely been in situations where the like pro or the celebrity or the yeah. regular was very sort of like in their own silo. Yeah. Um, and that could have been Which either. You could almost imagine it being a protective thing of like, I got to meet 60 people exactly. a week. Like I just, I'm so, man, I'm sure you're a really nice guy, but like, I just don't have the I bandwidth. Just, I don't want to make another friend. Like it's I my work, I, yeah. which I totally get. I never take that stuff personally. Yeah. Or look, if, if you're doing a scene that's super emotional for them, they've got to, as an actor prepare. Yeah. They're not, I don't, I don't expect them to socialize with me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've definitely had people where they're super friendly and they're like, Hey, and we chit chat. So it's, it's run the gamut. Um, Obviously, it's nicer when you have someone to talk to. It puts you more at ease. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like once the camera rolls, you, I want to forget that they're famous anyway because right now they're just the person I'm talking to. Yeah, they're the character. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That whole world is really, really interesting. So, t t so tell me about how it works with 
becoming a SAG member and all that stuff. So that's so funny. So there's there's a couple different ways in. Um, e- For people who don't know, anybody who's working on TV or film and acting in America, anything that's like above a certain, is it, is it a certain level? How does, how does something get decided whether it's a union job or not? So the SAG after, which are the, because the unions merged a few years ago, yeah. SAG was screen actors guild after, uh, as the American Federation of television and radio artists. Um, and they are now one union, which is great for everybody. Uh, I would say all of the TV that you see in film is all union. Yeah. So these um, people are being paid standard rates. You guys get insurance. It's like a jobby job. Exactly. Well, you have to you have to work a certain amount. You have to earn a certain amount of money under contracts to get insurance. But yes, there's all sorts of workplace protections and uh, minimum certain amount of hours a day yeah, and yeah, all that. No, kind of stuff. union unions are fantastic. So you you want as an actor you want to be a member of the union. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so I remember so when how I was, do you go about doing when it? I was like on the cusp of joining? Everyone said if you look, there's reasons to join and not join when you're just starting out. If you are committed to being a professional actor, there is no question that you will have to join, so you should join. There's a lot of friction now, especially in the commercial world, where there's a lot of non-union commercials being made because it's cheaper for the producers. The way you join, essentially, is getting offered a union contract. So if you are non-union and you audition for a SAG project, they can offer you a contract to take that job. Even if it's a small part. Yep. Yep. Your first thing out of the gate, you go audition for elementary as the guy who gets Mm -hmm. mugged in the whatever and they say, all right, yeah, we want you. And it's like, as part of the deal, you're signing this thing and therefore you can join SAG. Correct. Now, this is a piece of it, I'll be honest with you, in the 20 years I've been doing this, I've never fully understood what the like balance is. They don't generally do that. Like they will not, they will only see SAG members for those parts. So the, it's the catch 22 of you have to have figure out a way to get into the union before you can be seen for union parts. It is a really interesting thing, though, because you think for the, ideally for the union, they, they want, want as many people as, many as possible. People as possible. Yep. But at the same time, if you have too many people, it dilutes the pool. Absolutely. And then the value of being in the union is lowered. I just don't know how they, like, what their process or communication with production is in terms of who the gatekeepers are of letting that happen or not happen. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, 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 um, yeah. So the way you get in is either being offered a contract or, and this is how I got in, the unions, because there's equity, Actors Equity Association mm-hmm. is the union for stage actors. They have a, a sisterhood agreement where if you're a member of one, there's a way to then join the other. Okay. Um, and I'd been an equity member. Because um, you're Jeff Daniels going to do a play or you're a, somebody in the play who wants to go do TV. Correct. I, I think the, the language they use is basically if you've established your professional credentials on in another medium with a union, we will accept them as well. Sure. Um, and so I joined SAG that way. Now, is, uh, so you said commercials, a lot of commercials are non-union. That is what I hear. So if you want to get hired to do a Smucker's commercial or whatever it is, and it's non-union, you can't do the job? I cannot do the job, no. Okay. And I, it's funny because I do a lot of voiceover work, um, and particularly within the like uh, the Jewish world, because I'm yeah. a bit of a, a unicorn there where I like have an announcer voice, but can also say all the Hebrew and Yiddish stuff like I know what it means. Yeah. Um, and some of the producers I worked on with early on, like when I became SAG, it, it was a little tricky because they were not used to working in that world. Yeah. But I was like, I can't, I can't work any other way. That's fascinating. Let's talk about the voice. You've, you have this low voice. You have this announcer <laughs> voice. You said, you told me, I think when we were shooting that you've, you've had it for a long mm-hmm. time and that it was actually a problem when you were younger. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've had it for as long as I can remember. It's not something I ever <laughs> well, like. You were a teenager on. with this voice? I, I mean, I think so. I, you know, do you think about how you sounded when you were 16? I don't really know. No, but I sound like a honky nightmare. <laughs> you, you sound like, you I, know, I, you're, you're, you know. 
I have to guess that I must have sounded this way because I the remember count in high is two school. and three. He's got the guy at the points. Like you could do all that if you wanted to. I, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in high school, like I got pulled out to do voiceovers all the time and I never really gave it a thought as to why. So I guess I did sound like this when I was a teenager. I don't know. I should have you do some announcements at the end of our recording would for be the happy. podcast. Bill Waltman's co- podcast <laughs> coming to you. Yeah. Um, it did. It was so it was hard when I was in my 20s. Uh, casting directors would say like, we love your work, but we don't know what to do with you. you. You don't look as old as you sound like come back to us in 10 years, which was horrible and sad and depressing to hear at the time, but it proved prescient. Cause yeah, when I hit my thirties, I started to work a lot. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's just like, well, uh, I guess that's bad because I'm not working now, but it means I have a future. That's exactly right. I'm going to say it's better than them saying you sound like a kid and you're getting older and yeah. that's, that's a way work. And that happens to people, right? Absolutely. Oh, I've, I've known people who looked really young and you're then a teenager they didn't age at well. 25 and you can play 16 or 18 or whatever it is. But then and you then, look like a pedophile when you're 35 and it doesn't look good for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird thing. But tell that to a 20 year old. Like we don't have any foresight. You're not like, Oh, well these 10 years will suck, yeah. but the yeah. next 60 will be amazing. Do you think about your appearance at all from point of view of, of acting uh oh so it's funny i i say i say this in a few different ways i have professional vanity but not a whole lot of personal vanity like i was a fat kid i, I can I, tell no, can you? thank you yes no i'm, I'm sitting here in like you know, really sweater. you were heavier when you were a kid oh yeah super heavy um and i lost a bunch of weight and like my Wait, how'd you is, lose the weight honestly my my parents we moved from boston to jersey and they sent me to overnight camp for the first time and the food sucked and i was really into other activities it wasn't conscious and uh, I just stopped eating shit and didn't eat when I wasn't hungry. That's that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and then like in college, it ballooned. You know, it would go up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I always say, if I wasn't an actor, I, I'd probably be a. I'd end up fat again. I would. Yeah. Like, so there's part of you that says is aware. Oh, I got I got to not gain weight. Yeah. And to be fair, I, I've booked things when I'm heavy and when I'm not. So that's that's mostly in my head. Yeah. But I'm happy to keep it there because it keeps me healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only other piece of professional vanity, like you know, my hair's thinning. And like in my own life, I don't think I'd give a shit. But yeah. like I notice on camera sometimes and I get a little like, is that going to limit? The do the hair makeup people get? ever say anything or say, oh, oh you know, we could do such they a have such stuff. magic, Bill. They've got, you know, remember that topic stuff yeah, that they, sure. you know, the, the little the fibers. Stuff. They put them. I remember the first time I did this, it was like, it was magic. Like a little atomizer, like a French perfume, you know, the little bulbs yeah. you see. And they would like surgically put it on my scalp. It, it looked like I had a full head of hair. It was magic. Really? Gorgeous. That's fascinating. I bought one so I could use it for auditions. I've used it once because I was like, I'm not, I don't have the patience. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's like, you know, I'm losing my hair, but otherwise I look better than I did 10 years ago, you know, because I go to the gym now and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I like, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. I feel like I'm improving as I get older, not we going downhill well. as I'm men getting older. Yeah, men are lucky like that, <laughs> you know? Uh, let's see what else I got on this thing. Uh, do you, do you see especially theater acting as how did I put it? Uh, uh, like declarative. Are you performing for the audience or is it a transactional thing with the audience? Transactional. What is no, you know, like, do you feel like the audience, if, if you were on stage and the audience was not there, would it be a different performance with than with them being there? Oh God, absolutely. Look, it, just because of the energy, the energy and like, look, at the end of the day, look, yes, artists should want to do what they do for themselves, right? I, you love playing music for yourself, taking pictures for yourself. Yep. But if there's no one there to to communicate with, yeah. there's a piece that's missing. Yeah, yeah. I still love to act. When I'm, when like I have a rehearsal group every Tuesday. I love doing that, even if it's just other actors in the room, there's four or five of us. But no, you're doing this so you can tell a story to other people, so you can affect other people, be in community with them. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't call that transactional. I would call that relational. 
Oh, that's yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's a better word. The wait, uh, the, this thir- did you say Thursdays you meet up with people? Tuesdays, yeah, Tuesdays. Are these the people that I know or, uh, Oh, Eric, Eric and, and Ellen and Ellen. So Ellen's Ellen and I have been in that group. That's how we met for, I think eight or nine years now. Yeah. Um, and Eric, who is her husband, who's yeah. been theater. He just joined us a few months ago. He's great. I mean, I love them both. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But so yes, yeah. they are both regulars there now. It's funny. These are both people I've shot pictures <laughs> of. I saw Ellen shot. I didn't see Eric's up there. Uh, yeah. And I met, I met Eric. I was doing a, um, a group shot. I was trying to do sort of a 1930s sort of party theme shot with multiple people. Oh, they're good. Fo- they have the right faces for that. Yeah. And, and Ellen couldn't make it to the last minute, but Eric was there and you know, eight or 10 other people or whatever it is. I'll show I, the, I have the final shot somewhere here. And, um, and then I ended up shooting her a few weeks later. What a sweetheart. Oh, she's a doll. Uh, and, uh, takes a good picture too, Hi, that Ellen. woman. Yes, she does. She is not hard to look at. No. Um, uh, the, uh, let me see. Do you, do you find that the, the satisfaction that you get from acting, I mean, we kind of talked about the, the, the ups and downs of your own ego based upon whether you're doing well or Mm. not, but do you find it that, that, that it's a little bit like a drug, like you need to be real, like I got to go act right now. Like I, I I need a job. I want to work because my tank is running low. You know, somebody asked me the other day during, I, I did an episode of this show a couple episodes ago where a friend of mine who's a film editor came on and I did it. I had interviewed her back on episode three last summer. She said, I want to come back on and interview you. And she asked me if I was an extrovert extrovert. And I said, I don't know. How, how would you define that? She goes, you know, do, are you fed by other people or do you, is it exhausting to, to be with other people? I said, Oh, absolutely. I'm fed by other people, you know? And she says, you know, when I go into a party, I have to like buck myself up before I walk in. Cause I know that it's going to be work in order to interact with mm-hmm. people. If I'm sitting here alone, like I need other people. Part of the reason why I do my daily thing is to be around other people. Is it the same way? Like, where does it, where does it sit with you? For me? So there's this term that's come into vogue in the past, I don't know, year or so introverted extrovert mm-hmm. or an extrovert, whatever. I think I fall somewhere on that spectrum. I love people a great deal and I love parties and I love huge groups of people, but I then need a lot of downtime by myself. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I need to perform if I'm not performing. I'd say like I need some sort of creative thing. Like I, I'll i need to like – I did aerial silks for a while. Like I'll need to go conquer something, like solve a problem, do something. But it doesn't need to be acting or performing necessarily. Yeah. Um, I remember there was, a, there was a period where like – again, like the six-month desert, but it was years ago. I hadn't made anything. And my kid was like three or four and he was re- obsessed with these YouTube like – unboxing videos where people will like buy a the toy. Kids are obsessed. Insane, right? And then, but then now there's ones not just unboxing, but they'll like play with them and like make yeah. little stories. Hey, and it I makes, was like, it means you don't have to buy the thing. That's damn straight. <laughs> damn straight. Except so one day I was like, Hey buddy, do you want to make one of these? And he was like, yeah. And we made like five or six. I, and I got deep in, like I was making like stop action Lego things. I was adding special effects. And that to me was like one of the most satisfying experiences yeah. as a creator that I've ever had. Yeah. I was with my kid. I was making something that was mine, like all of that. So yeah, it's not the performing, it's the right. making, yeah, yeah, the yeah, solving, yeah. it's the like engaging my full self, whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. 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 How about writing? You write? God, that is like the third rail. I, I want to write so badly, Bill. Like I want to create my own thing. I want to te- talk about stories. Like I want to tell my story, but I, I'm one of those guys who gets paralyzed in a greeting card store. Like there's just too much choice. Yeah. Like give me three things and let me do it. I can't figure out where to start. I've written a short story. I've started like treatments of a few scripts and shorts. Um, but that is, that is something that I would very much like to do more of. 
it's so it's it's the it's if you sit down at a typewriter, you know, it's interesting. Back to that Sorkin interview that I listened to the other day, the Mark Maron one. He says, you know, I I was in an apartment. I had no money, or or as as Aaron Sorkin would say, uh uh, 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 I'm in an apartment. Uh, I have no money. Uh, and apparently everything was broken. The TV was broken. The stereo was broken. The only thing that worked in the house was a manual typewriter. And everyone was out. Everyone was doing something else. It was a Friday night. He did, wasn't invited to anything sitting at the house and he had nothing to do. And he stuck a piece of paper in and started writing. And of course, the first thing he writes is a few good men, right? So, well, like, fuck that guy. But yes, yeah, right. <laughs> but 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 is for him it was the idea of I never even thought to write dialogue. I sat down and I just started writing, and I seemed to have had a knack for it. Obviously, right. But but that but that it was. I think it was just the idea of starting. For some people, they get lost in the weeds once they've started. Other people, the the, the, the barrier is before they start is starting. I would definitely say I'm I am. The first, the second, like I get lost before I start. That's not to say that once I start, I sometimes also don't get caught up. And I, it, the irony is like the thing, the only thing that I've ever written to completion that I was happy about was a short story. And that flowed out of me fairly clearly. The irony is that like, that's not actually the thing. Like I want to write something that I can do, that I can perform. Yeah. And as natural as I feel as an actor performing scripts, I feel really odd writing them. Yeah. I don't know why. And and how often when you're on set and you do a, you know, you finish a performance and the director's happy, are you not happy? Oh, that's such a good question. I, that's a, I mean, if the, let's say they do on these TV shows where they do four or five takes, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it depends. I mean, they'll do it from different <laughs> angles, but like yeah. you want the ones on you to be the ones that count. Um, again, I think that's, we were talking before about external, internal markers of satisfaction. There are periods in my career when I would never have been happy. You could have given me a hundred takes and I never would have been like, oh, I nailed it. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, you got to trust the director knows what he or she wants, and they're going to get the thing that makes the story work. Yeah. Um, I just shot Blacklist. I don't know if I'm, yeah, well, I don't know when this is coming out. If I'm allowed to say that or not, but I just did. I'll keep your mouth shut. Yeah, thank you. Um, and that. <laughs> Me and the thousand or so people who are going to listen to this, we'll just keep our mouths <laughs> shut. going to get back to the SAG lawyers. I'm yeah. going to be out of my ass. Uh, How does that work? You're not allowed to say stuff? Oh, my God, dude. Everything now is an NDA. You can't mention anything on social media. It's, yeah. It's oh everything. God, that's so silly. When's it coming out? Just so we uh, March 26th, I think. I got to hold on to this till March Episode 613. All right. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, that was the first time in a long time that I can remember. We were done. And I I actually didn't, like normally I'm, I'm tracking with shots and angles. Like I'm knowing when we're going to be done. I was so in it. And the director said, okay, we're done. And I was like, oh, oh that's it. We're, and I was like, oh my God, I felt, I felt great. And I, I, oh, you was, feel like you nailed it. Yeah. It's the first time though in my life that I can remember having that feeling. So that's pretty great. Yeah, it's got to be a strange thing because it's it's not about you, it's about them, and especially TV and movies. <clears throat> I have this conversation about casting with other people where some people will say, "You we need to do more casting of unknown actors and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh. like why they give this to this person when they could have given it to you know, people are upset about the Brian Cranston movie where he plays yeah. a quadriplegic, right? Like Get why did you give this a quadriplegic actor or whatever? Yeah. And I, I understand that from an artistic point of view. I understand it from a social point of view, but from an economic point of view, who's going to get butts in the seats to pay and hear that story. If the story is what you want her. Right. Yeah. And I get the other and, side too. Right. But ultimately <clears throat> the problem is the ultimately TV and entertainment is a business. Correct or wrong? 
this look, this is this is the ultimate struggle, right? It's show business. So we like to focus on the business part of it, but that show part is not unimportant, right? It is business and art at the same time. So yeah. yes, there are going to be people like capitalism. There are going to be people who are absolutely obsessed with the bottom line, and the thing would not exist without them. But it also wouldn't exist without the artist. If True. Those people True. didn't have something to sell. Right. Right. So. Do I think that Brian Cranston? First of all, Brian Cranston's amazing, and I will watch him do anything. By the way, I saw a Network. Yeah, uh? he was he was good. Oh. The rest of the actors, not so much. In fact, oh. one of them, the the woman who's in uh, uh, um, Orphan Black, Tatiana oh, Maslany, yeah. yeah, she was not good. Really, and I think she's fantastic on that show. She just yelled the whole time. That's so. And I see. Yeah, you wonder is, is that, that a thing directorial that a thing? Stage? Yeah, I didn't necessarily agree with a lot of the sort of staging directorial sort like they were trying to do too much they were trying to make a statement about mm. modern society and let's have cameras on stage that are filming the actors on a big screen behind them yeah i heard all that. these kinds of things and you go eh. but anyway but yeah the reason why people are going to see that show is because brian cranston's in it right and also, so I think, look, the theater, because it's one person in one place at one time, it's fine. It's and they got to fill seats and it's expensive to run. Yes. You know. But also, like, I am I am very aware of the argument around having authentic characters authentically represented, right? Having minorities play minorities. There are places where that gets a little hazy. Like, do you need someone who is a quadriplegic to pay, play a quadriplegic? Right. I can certainly understand someone who is handicapped saying absolutely you do. Or this is a real opportunity for that. that. I I totally understand that side of things. And I don't know how to balance that equation. But I also don't like cultural appropriation arguments of like, you know, stay in your lane. Like you're you're a white Jewish male. Like you shouldn't play any character who's not a white Jewish male kind of stuff. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like that's also, that's also danger. Will Robinson as well. I'm actually laughing because that's the one thing I would love to hear. Right. Like, I, I get told all the time. You're the white time, Jewish guy. No, I get told all the time <laughs> I don't look Jewish. And I'm like, well, you're telling me I don't look like the thing that I am? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Not, like So I've what is your definition of looks like here? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And that makes me angry. Well, and the, that's, that's the I'll problem get, with all this. I'll get the other thing where it's like, well, it's a compliment. Because what they mean is you don't have a big nose or whatever my stare, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. just like awful. But then I don't get to play Jewish characters because- I don't fit your idea of what I'm supposed to look like. Yeah. 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 Which is crazy. I mean, all of this is very tricky and, and has like, you know, third rails abound in this Mm -hmm. entire conversation. But like, I think that like an open discussion of it is a valuable thing. I do. I do. Look, I, I I think, I think (laughs) that if a character's identity is built around their, their race, right? Like a black character, a black actor should play a character. Like that thing we had in the, in the twenties where you had like white people, putting on face paint so they could play Native Americans. Yeah, sure. Like there's there's no good reason to judge. Like yeah. that's racist. It's effed up. Yeah. Um, and the question of like can, right, we recognize that not By the way, the crying Indian on the ad council ad in the 70s was an Italian guy. Really? Yep. See, so that that kind of stuff like would never fly and good. Like yeah. we've, we've yeah. grown, and thank God. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. But like there are like, it's interesting, the Jewish thing, right? I mean- identity jewish identity is such a weird thing is it a race well, is it a religion all. is it a culture there's genetic it's, it's it's a fucking it's a train <clears throat> yeah. it, i get it it's complicated no one would say that you need to be jewish to play a jewish character and yet in certain roles where i the think char- there are probably people out there who would say that. <laughs> yeah there might be actually anyway, but go ahead <laughs> that'd be interesting but again like i think there's a difference between someone a character that is like casually jewish or yep. like woody allen neurotically jewish yep. and like an yep. orthodox jew where you need yep. like a very particular understanding of what that culture is to be sure. able to play. Like, 
when I see Jesse Eisenberg putting on fake payas to play a chassid in whatever movie that was, yep. I just, I, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. Yeah. But interestingly enough, if you, if I, as a non-Jew was an actor and were playing the neurotic sort of stereotypical New York Jewish thing that people expect when you say that, that would also feel really like, ew, why are you doing that? I don't know. That, you don't think so? That to me would be about what the story's about, right? Like if it's like a exploitation film where it's deliberately designed to make fun, yeah. no, that would be offensive. But no, I, that's what I'm saying is I, that, I wouldn't find that inherently offensive that there was a character like that and you found a character, an actor who wasn't Jewish who could do it really well. Yeah. Personally. That's acting. That doesn't bother me. Might it bother others and might they be totally yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's because that's where the, the Jewish yeah. identity is. I think more complex than like someone's identity yeah. being black or Asian yeah. or, or. And Hispanic. I think in the modern world, I think part of the issue is that you have very very small minorities, and I don't mean like ethnic minorities, but like minorities of people who can be very loud, vocal about being upset about something. Yes. There's actually 16 people upset about something, and but it blows up into a big article right, on CNN. That is true, right? I mean, this happens all the time. Um, Talk, talk to me about the process of auditioning and, 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 and uh, are there any good audition stories that you have that you tell people? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Um, so many. So <laughs> auditioning, auditioning for film and TV is lovely, right? Like you get the sides a day or two before you learn them, you practice them, you figure them out if you're a responsible <clears throat> actor. Like you practice them at home with a camera, you watch it, you see what works, you figure out how to work this, the frame so that like the story is being told in one camera, right? Yep. And then you go in and you do it. You get a couple adjustments, you go home and you forget about it, right? Um, theater's a little different. You get more time and you work in the room live with people. I love auditioning. I love it. Like, it's a, again, it's a problem to solve. Like, yeah. I figure out what's going on in this scene to make it work, to make it sensible. Um, and then I get to go act for a couple minutes and then leave. Obviously, there's times where if, like, I really want the part, I get a little nervous and that's bad. Like, I, when I, I had a tiny, tiny part in Ocean's 8. And I remember when I booked it, my, age, my manager at the time called me and said, hey, Simon, guess who booked Ocean's? And I was like, me? Yeah. I don't, like I literally had no one idea of the was, other actors. I didn't know right? what he was talking about because I hadn't remembered auditioning for it. Like I just, uh, yeah. I hadn't looked at what the the project was. Like I yeah. just focused on the scene. Yeah. Um, but in some ways, you're better off not being nervous. Uh, that's absolutely not true. needing it. It's sort of if you go into a, a job interview and you don't need the job, you're probably more likely to get the job than if you really do need the a job. A thousand percent. The less the less shits you give, the better job you are likely to do. And it's funny. The more that the people on the other side of the table think. Oh, he's really something. He doesn't even want this job. He must have like 16 other. We should grab him while we can. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to think of a couple a couple stories. I, I'm not ready to commit to uh, the public yet, but there's, <laughs> oh, here, there's a good, it's a commercial. So it's super safe. Um, I was, uh, auditioned for a Publix commercial. You know, Publix okay. is that Southern chain. Publix of, is the best grocery store in the world. My wife seems to agree with you. She like grew up in Florida and we well, were just down there. Your wife and, and I are, are tight now. I'm so we're, curious we're about what makes Publix special. Um, <laughs> So I was auditioning to like play the head of their meat department for this series of commercials. And my you look age, like a meat guy. Don't I? Well, yeah. the irony was I was running my own meat company at the time. It was like what? a perfect synergy. You own a meat company? I, I gave it up when my son was born, but I ran kosher? the first kosher humane meat co-op. Yeah. Okay. We got written up in the Times. That's for another podcast. Okay. Um, and so my agent calls me, and this actually gets also to the vanity question you were asking me earlier. He said, they love you. They want to book you. They want to know if you'd be willing to fix your teeth. They'll pay for it. What? Now, I had, you can't tell now because I fixed it since this story. Well, you can a little bit. I had six extra teeth as a kid, and these two, which you can't see. Do you have a gap? No. They, the, you have two central teeth? Yeah. I only have one central tooth. These are both 
what are they called? Incisors? And oh, they came they, down sideways and they look a little crooked. And I had looked into getting them fixed, but it was like thousands of dollars in pain and all sorts. Of, and I was like, eh. and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, if yeah. they're going to pay for it and fix it. But like we have a week and a half. I ran around to every cosmetic dentist in Park Slope. One of the guys came up with a solution. He was going to use the composite they used to fill. Yeah, that's what these two teeth are. Nice. Wait, yeah. the whole tooth is composite? This one, the fronts of them. They they're, they actually sit back like, I don't know, half a centimeter. They're tilted back. Yes. Because I had braces and they those were in the roof of my mouth. They brought them down and then they slowly kind of folded back a little bit. So they were indented in my yeah, my uh, dentist built both of them so up. So that's exactly, I didn't wear my retainer after four <coughs> yep. years of braces. So, yeah, you and And they like turned back a little bit. We're brothers. Yeah. Mm, okay. Fuck retainer. Four years. Give me a break. Can I take I the metal out of my mouth now? Exactly. My so, wife still wears hers, by the way. No. Yep. God bless women. She's amazing. Um, so that he just built up the edges of the tooth to make them look straight. Mm-hmm. Instead of $10,000 in eight months, it took me 30 minutes and 125 bucks. So I call my manager and I was like, done. And he's like, oh yeah, let me just tell production. <clears throat> Calls me back. He's like, don't kill me. I was like, what? He's like. They want to know if you'd be willing to shave your arms. Now, you can't tell this, but I have very hairy forearms. And I was like, are you fucking, I just told you I'd fix my teeth. You have to know, of course I'll shave my arms. Yes. He's like, all right, I'll tell production. He calls me back and he goes, hey man, don't kill me. I was like, is there a part of me that they do like? <laughs> I'm getting confused. <laughs> and he's like, they realized that they were going to have you do these things, fly you down to Florida. They'd have no idea what you look like. They decided to go with their number two choice. And are you like, kidding me? <laughs> I was like, okay, great. Um, oh, so, that's but, so frustrating. But out of all that, I got that tooth fix, which I never would have done, right? Yeah. Which I think probably helped the rest of my but TV But you ended career. up paying for it. For 125 bucks, I was happy all right. to. Yeah. But yes, I did end up paying for it. That is true. <laughs> and that was the one thing I was like, oh, if I could do the other thing, they'd pay me 10 grand. But I, that was not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's the process of trying to get people to like you or want you. I mean, so, uh, I was asked the other day by my friend, you know, like, how do you deal with it? I said, 90% of it is basically like this. Like I'll, if I'm shooting somebody, like I'll talk to them like this and it's in a real conversation. There's maybe 10% where the person's really awkward or, you know what I mean? There's something yeah. that I need to, I need to speed up this process. I need to figure <laughs> out and right. you tell them stories or if it's a straight woman, I can flirt with them or if it's a gay man, I can flirt with them. You know what right. I mean? Like there's that kind of stuff you can do to like sort of get things going. Do you find that you you are real when you go into auditions or are you playing a role uh, even walking in the door? I will say that's a great question. I, I am the most charming, generous version of myself when I walk into a room, right? Like in the same way when I said before about like walking into a party, like the introverted, extroverted thing, I am there to like make a really good impression and like be as open as I possibly can be. Yeah. Right. So I wouldn't, I'm definitely not playing a role, but I am, I am focusing on a facet of my personality. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just certain, turning certain things off and turning things, Correct. Certain things up. And it's hard. Cause like if I'm going into play to audition for a role that's very dark or that like requires a certain level of emotional preparation, yeah. there's like a weird balance there. Yeah. Where yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But uh, you don't want to walk in and be like, Hey, let's do that thing about the people getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I can't do that very well. Like I need, yeah. I can't turn the wheel that hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> So then I'll tend to be a little bit like, hey, nice, you know, like I'll, I'll yeah. try and keep my energy appropriate where I need it to be to do the work because ultimately they're not there to be my friend. They're there to see if I can do a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, yes, I do try and be as personable as I can. And uh, wrap it up here. As far as your career goes, do you feel like you really have any control of the direction it goes? Hmm. Or, or is it, you know, stuff comes along and that's great. If stuff doesn't come along, that's not so great. If a real opportunity to shift the way people perceive me in the industry happens, there's nothing, there's not much I can do to cultivate that. 
goddamn you know what new I'm bill. Saying? Yes. This no. This is the question that keeps me up at night. Right. Like we we like to think that we have agency over our own lives, and I'm I am certainly a bit of a control freak. Right. Like I like I I have crafted so much of my life to be in the way that I want it to be. Yeah. And I don't have control over this. I can I can do all of the things that I know how to do. I can make sure that my craft is at the top of its game. I can market myself. I can make sure my pictures and my marketing materials and my agents, all of that stuff is all right. But I, I acting is a weird art, right? You can pick up a guitar or a, or a camera and do your thing. Actors need other people to do the thing we want to do. Yeah. And it's, it's a, I'd say a, a lesson in humility and patience without ever losing a sense of ambition. It's, it's a very difficult line to sort of yeah. balance. And I will not say that I am always doing it with grace, um, but it's it's a good life lesson. It's like being on a treadmill without walking too fast, walking into the thing in front of you and not going too slow that you fall off the back. And slowly pressing, you know, making go a little bit faster. Let's try so to speed it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I won't say it's not frustrating. <laughs> I won't say it's not frustrating. <laughs> Quote of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he said with a, with a, uh, what's the, the, the fuck, the, Stepford smile on his face. Yeah, that was do a joke you, that took too uh, long to get out of my mouth. You 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 have uh, lots of social media and stuff. There's lots of videos online of you talking and, and there's that uh, uh, talk you gave standing up at a thing I watched some of yesterday. Oh, the meat thing, probably. Is that what it was? I, if the only talk I, just I know started that watching I'm standing it. up. Yeah. So it's funny. I'm terrible at social media. Like there are actors, you know, who you're supposed to have an Instagram, yeah. a follower. All well, you got to take more oh. pictures of your butt in a mirror and then put them up. Um, what if you were that guy? You were the guy who shouldn't be taking pictures of your butt in a mirror, but you were like... Something tells me that might not advance my career. <laughs> Except on the deuce, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I would, yeah, I should do more of that. So that, no, that talk actually was that meat thing that I was talking oh, about. Oh, okay, okay. And I, and then I gave an Eli talk, which is like a Jewish TED talk. Ah, that's the one I was Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they invited me to give a talk on this meat co-op that I'd started and about... The uh, the treatment of animals and humane concept within Jewish yeah. law and culture. Um, the irony is, after I gave that talk, they then asked me to come on as a coach for other speakers, um, and that you is did such a damn good job. Yeah, and I said to them, I was like, I'll be honest with you, I know I can do this well. I don't know that I can teach other people how to do yeah. it well, but if you're okay with that, I, I will try. I've spent forty years of my life learning how to act and stand up on stage. <laughs> I can't teach that to people in a half an hour. But I, I've gotten very good at it now. So now I actually have a pretty good coaching practice. Public speaking is, is a really weird thing because like I have no problem getting up talking about my work. That's great. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if somebody says, you know, would you like to come? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's put them up on the screen. I'll tell a story about how the picture got made or a little bit of the technical stuff if right. it's a crowd that is interested in that kind of stuff. That to me is like showing off pictures of my kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So there's like, they're very, but a lot of people are terrified about getting in front of other people. It raises all of our like lizard brain fight or flight, right? Like yeah. we're talking about extrovert, introvert stuff. Like the idea of being judged by a room full of strangers yeah. is terrifying on yeah. like a l animal level. <clears throat> but if they like you, oh, the power in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, that's what keeps people trying, right? <laughs> they want to learn to get better. They're like, oh, sex. I'd like to get good at that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you got anything else you want to add? Just that this was fantastic, and I like talking to you. This is fun. It's right? good, man. Yeah, yeah. We should talk. We'll, we'll talk about meat next time if you want. All right. Or aerial silks. You gonna tell me yeah. I can't eat certain meats? Oh, I'm not. I I went through that phase. My wife was like, "Listen to me very carefully. I did not marry a vegetarian. You do whatever you want, but I'm still eating meat." I went through the self righteous phase. I'm I'm over it now. <laughs> I was that way about a lot of things, and then I kind of gave it up. Yeah. Not meat, though. I think I, it's called I, maturity. But I, I can do a really good impersonation of a self-righteous vegetarian if you want. 
<sighs> yeah, no, no, no. That's no fun. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you. Thank you so much, Simon. My pleasure. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> Isn't that fun? That was awesome. I realized once after we started. <laughs> Bum, 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 b